Sandspants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George DeMorellis. Uh, this is the show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? On the show today, we have the internationally touring comedian, Catherine Henson. Hey, should, should I clap for myself? I'm clapping. <laughs> you, you, you are doing it anyway, yeah. yeah. It's just everything <laughs> here for a moment. Um, Catherine's on the show here today. She's visiting all the way from New, you're New York based, right? I'm New York based, and visiting is really a stretch. <laughs> Trapped here. <laughs> Thank you. Like a hostage <laughs> in uh, Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. I know because you got like an exciting story. Like, yeah, it is exciting. It's, yeah. it's exciting for other people to hear. They're like, "Oh, that's a fun one," and then they forget about me. And then I'm like, "But I'm still living that story." <laughs> <laughs> and like, they still got the story. They just forget you as a person yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a little bit of drama in their life, like kind of like a sitcom. But then, the, you know, I'm yeah. still existing, trying to figure this out. <laughs> I'm still a person alive, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. suffering through this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like when you watch like documentaries and stuff, and you're like, oh, that was funny." But it's like, "Oh no, that guy was like on so much meth the whole yeah, time." Yeah, that happens. <laughs> There's some horrible parts that they're not showing. Right. Um, but do you want to actually tell everyone? Like, I know, yeah, you, you've, you've got to do it. Uh, it's it's probably going to feature. I'm going to mention it in this podcast. Yeah. As as we'll start off. Yeah. Go on. Give okay. Us a, give us a little spiel. Just, I'm sure you've said this so many times now, and you're a comedian. You've got this down to like. Well, you'd think I would have said it so many times, except I haven't. You're like the sixth person I've seen since I've been here. So no. <laughs> Which is like how long now? It's uh, Okay. So I've been here since the beginning of March, and it is now mid, mid to late May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's good. So a while, yeah, right? Ish, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, two months of that. Okay, yeah, solid. Um, I came here to do. Well, I w- I was in Sydney. I was doing some so- shows in Sydney, and then I was going to do the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And pretty much two weeks into Sydney, I-, I I went to Adelaide. So I was in Adelaide when when the coronavirus was really starting to kick off, and at that juncture, my now husband was in London. He was supposed to be flying out here to also do the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I was like, look, we just need to we just need to change your flight and get you here sooner because going to London seems weird. Going to the United States seems weird. Uh, you already have a flight out here. Let's get you out here. So he flew out here and like made it here pretty much within 24 hours of them shutting their borders completely. And, uh, you know, which was unexpected also. And now now we just live here. That's my point. My yeah. point is, is we got here and we live here now. To go on a slight tangent, what did you think of the world after living in New York your whole life? I had, I had no idea. You know what I mean? Like, I hadn't, I, I'm fine. And also, having had the limited amount of travel I've had now, well, New Yorkers think nowhere else matters. Yeah. Which is so funny because once you leave New York, you're like, oh, there's like so much out there. <laughs> and it's like almost, it, it's cooler in a different way, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, that's what kind of inspired me to reach. So I was like, I'm going to go see how I do internationally. Because the fringe had been somewhat successful for me, and New York is such a fucking slog that yeah. I was like, I'm gonna give like London a shot. I'll go to Australia, and it turns out that was like a great choice career wise up until I got trapped here. You know, <laughs> so um, yeah. To- well, I mean, security wise, uh, especially New York. Yeah, probably uh, not a bad thing to have left. Well, that's what I mean. And incidentally, yeah. it's weird because it's like it's it's scary to feel like I'm like halfway around the world from everything I've ever known. But on the other hand, I'm like, everything I've ever known is like literally burning down right now. So, you know, I'll just leave it over there. And so it's like odd because I haven't experienced Australia at all. 
Mm. Yet I've been here for so long. Like I came here to watch television, you know? Oh, yeah, you got to see. One thing I do know about uh, when I was in the States, you guys have so much. Just your casual television is just at least flashier. Like yeah. it just looks so cheap in comparison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been noticing that as well? Well, I've been noticing that uh, Australian Netflix blows in comparison to like the shows that came out like a year ago in America are coming out in Australia now. And I'm like, I've seen this shit, but I mean, whatever, you know, I, I uh, carry and considerate comedian Darius Davies gave me a website where I can watch any show. So I'm able to keep up on RuPaul's Drag Race, which is very important to my well-being, okay. especially at this tumultuous time. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep, they give you power. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. do. They really do. <laughs> have you ever seen Drag Race? I have. No, I, I know what it is. I feel like you would look great. In, and I feel like just from my knowledge of drag, if we put you in drag, you would really find a new a new George inside of you. Well, okay. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yes, it is a compliment. And maybe I've got a little pizzazz inside me. You're yeah. saying as well. No, you find out an alter ego that you didn't know you had that's going to give you power that, you know, was always in you, but you, you couldn't always find. Well, that would be an amazing <laughs> thing to come out of quarantine with. <laughs> you did say this podcast was going to get deep. so <laughs> <laughs> Not to me, all right? Mom, Dad, I'm not going to do it. No, it's, <laughs> it's Greek parents, that would be... That'd be fun. You know, it'd be worth it just for that reaction. Yeah, there actually. you go. And that, that, you, know, you film that, you go viral, and suddenly one of us has a career again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Um, what, okay, to go on a more intense thing though, you're from New York. Yes. Do you have, uh, I guess, the full range of stories? You're the first person I've spoken to who's like got a direct contact back there. Yeah. So first one is, have you got sadly got anyone who's passed that you know of or something? Like I don't know anyone who's died. I do know a lot of people who've gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. Like in comedians. Comedians? Yeah, comedians. All right. Incidentally, two Capricorn comedians. Is that incidentally? <laughs> well, I just find the, those are the people that I know who've gotten it. And I'm a Capricorn, so oh, really? I'm nervous. Uh, so it's totally self-involved. <laughs> yeah, no, truly, though. Yeah. Does it, if someone gets... um gets it are they is it fine afterwards or some of them getting like lingering bad stuff um i mean it seemed to be varied in those two cases like one of them she was canadian but she's in new york she seemed to get it and recover whereas the other girl ended up in the hospital and then it has like done a GoFundMe to like raise funds to pay for her hospital bills because you know we don't have free health care in america (laughs) so yeah it's a whole thing it's a whole thing (laughs) and um so you know it seems just like a varying mishmash i'm just happy i'm not there yeah frankly i was gonna say yeah it's yeah because i you know i think i mean i guess this sounds sort of privileged sitting over here in like australia but i would really hate to see new york in this way yeah you know what i mean like quiet and yeah because it's like what's the point of being there then yeah then it's just a concrete (laughs) yeah then you're just paying to live in a hovel (laughs) you know to like really live in that hovel (laughs) yeah in a shoebox apartment with like other people and not be able to leave i mean meanwhile i have an apartment filled with my belongings over there and my roommate is there and I have a, a comic renting my room and, you know, you've I'm just, gone, just... You've just cruised through this brilliantly. I'm, but I'm just like, I need you guys to stay there, please. My things are there. <laughs> I've got a leather jacket, a green leather jacket that I want to see again, you know, at the end of this. <laughs> the fact that you're down to like commenting on one item. <laughs> I think about it. I'm like scared for it. I know that seems so... I don't know, you know, just in this trip to Australia. So I, I've... I have a ton of shit. I have a ton of clothes. Like I basically have a thrift store worth of belongings. And um, when I was packing to go to London, I packed a regular size suitcase, but I still had too much stuff. So when I packed to come to Australia, I like brilliantly managed to fit 
all, uh, like two months worth of shit. Cause I was supposed to be here until the end of April, right. Mm. From March to the end of April in an international size, carry on a duffel bag and a backpack. Nice. Like I was so proud of myself. It was one of those things where I took photos of it and sent it to friends of mine being like, look at what I've done. And they're I like, yeah, they're like, are you serious? And I'm like, yes, you know, and I'm still going to be a style icon the whole time. Now I'm like, I wish I would have brought all my shit, yeah. you know? Cause like, I don't have winter shit. I was not meant to be here, you know? Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm like thinking about all the things I have that I have no access to. Meanwhile, I'm like, why do I have 35 tank tops that I was able to brilliantly pack in this tiny suitcase? You know? <laughs> the summer you couldn't even go outside yeah. and enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, okay, that's 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 cool. Well, I guess uh, having someone from New York, but the other part of it that I was going to say was super interesting yeah. about you is this, the fact that you, like you said, now husband. Yes, yes. So, yes, this guy, this Irish comedian yep. that you met in Edinburgh yes. last year in August. Correct. Same yeah. time I met you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's taken a serious turn, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, huh? Like, very weird. I feel like, yeah, I maybe... Do you want to do a summary on who you are as a person and why this might be surprising <laughs> to people? I don't even know how it's, to say it. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean... I I used, I used had a roster of losers I would fuck. And and they, they all sounded like just rejected Lemony Snicket characters. There was like... <laughs> they all had nicknames. There was like the Motorcycle Princess, the Toothless Viking... <laughs> Shoe boy, which is a, a guy who like his job as an adult man was to spray the shoes at the bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke weed every day, bro. Like, you know, and and like like I was doing that and I was like, I had no I hadn't dated for a really long time. I didn't really want to. I wasn't going to like try to fit somebody into my life if they didn't make sense, you know? Yeah. And and, and it wasn't even like a case of you feeling it's, you, were, you were happy. Doing yeah, that. I mean, I was doing comedy, so I was kind of like, look, if you don't fit into this and, like, you're not kind of, I mean, almost unrealistically checking, like, every box, I don't really need to fuck with this. Yet I would go fuck them and then be like, why don't they love me? Because, you know, we just want that kind of <laughs> affirmation at all times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, this pussy is bomb. They should be in love with me. But, like, you know. So I was, like, at Edinburgh, and I hadn't, again, I was just sort of, like, doing my thing and... I thought Mark, my now husband, I was like, I only ever saw him go on stage drunk. I thought he was objectively unfunny, <laughs> I, but also objectively beautiful. And um, I was like, I'm going to, on the very last night, like people had already left the fringe. I was like, I'm going to go bang that hot drunk Irish dude. Because he had sort of started chatting me up like on Instagram. Kind of the, the same night, do you remember, we were talking, yeah. I was on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll just say, yeah, I, yeah, you can say. <laughs> I, and we were climbing the mountain. Yeah. What is it called? Uh, Arthur's seat. Arthur's seat. Yeah. I wasn't there. You weren't there, but you were texting yeah, me yeah, about it. Going, yeah. So was he, he was like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, well, we're climbing the mountain. So then it was the following night. Cause he was kind of like, Oh, maybe we'll climb the mountain, you know, whatever. Mm. So then the following night I banged him mm -hmm. and then we kept in touch. And then he came to visit me in New York, which is like insane. If you think about it, like, for 10 days in yeah. my home. And I was like, yeah, no, it just makes sense to me. Because we kept talking. We basically talked every day, all day, which is something I never do. I don't have time for that, mm. you know? But we just did. And he, he could barely even spell. So, and it was like, I could understand <laughs> what he was saying. I was like, is he spelling in Irish? Is that why none of this makes any sense? <laughs> and, but all day, every day, I'm like decoding whatever he's saying. And I, and I, I don't know. It just felt like... It felt like more than just a casual fuck at the time. It was just so weird because that was not what I expected. Hmm. Like I was, I almost missed my flight. I was flying out the next morning, leaving his apartment to go pack my shit. 
Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And so he came to visit me and then we fell in love. And then we had to deal with a girl he had been casually dating that he wouldn't commit to. She lost her goddamn mind, which, you know, happens, I mm. guess. But that was pretty crazy because I was getting like manifestos of emails and messages from her that I wasn't responding to that were pretty like amazing, you know, in their own way. Um, and then we ended up after he visited me when we fell in love, like the day he left, um, she had been messaging me already. It was kind of nuts. Yeah. I, and I was That's just crazy. like, Oh fuck. You know, cause if there isn't a, someone has to bring a stalker to the relationship. Really, I, I've never, I've never had one. So in some ways, <laughs> unbelievable. I, right. Incredible. This I was is pussy ain't bomb. Exactly. Well, hey, no, <laughs> I'll show you. No, <laughs> but like, Ultimately, it was like uncomfortable, but then part of me was like, I sort of enjoy getting all this attention. Like, I wake up and I have like a new email, and I'm like, ooh, somebody's thinking about me, you know? And like, that's fucking horrible uh, to such say. Such a problematic. <laughs> but, <laughs> Look, I get it. I get it. Any attention's yeah. good attention sometimes. Kind you know? of, even <laughs> We're though. In comedy. Well, it ended up getting very crazy. So, what ended up happening is he and I moved to London together. Like, because I was, I was like, look. I'm just going to roll the dice here because I knew I had to come to Australia in March anyway. So I was like, if it goes bad, fuck it. It was just a fun thing I did with an Irish guy, fun little whatever. And if it goes good, then great. And it was going really good. So we decided to get married. We were in London. We were like, look, let's see a lawyer. Because like, how will we sustain this? Him being from Ireland and me being from America, like realistically. Mm. And things were going well enough for me in London where I was like, I don't want to go back and try to have a career in New York. New York is, like, in my opinion, where you get good. For me, this yeah. is my journey. For me to get good and then take that elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I've heard that before. It's like good practice. Then you go somewhere else to actually get a career. Yeah. Whatever, and then you go back once you're like established properly. Yeah. I mean, and that sort of became my new trajectory based on what happened at the Fringe, mm. really. You know? And um, so I was like, we were like, we'll get married and then we'll have a nice, fun, surprise wedding at the Fringe this year because we both had shows. And we'll just do a, a surprise on all of our friends who like... Because all you guys were there. Yeah. And even though it all happened on the last night. So we were like, this will be fun. Everybody will already be there. And um, then we, you know, then I flew to Australia and then coronavirus happened. And now you're witnessing the peak of my life. I just can't, yeah. Like, this is. <laughs> It's it's you Adidas tracksuits. It's yeah. It's, you're looking. You're working it. You, you know, <laughs> still style queen. You got that. <laughs> Thank Did you. you dress up because someone was coming around? I, I was like, I was like looking at him. I was like, I don't want to get out of the sweatpants. <laughs> I was like, do you think he's gonna film this? I'm just gonna wear the sweatpants. <laughs> like, I I never thought I would be into, you know, like the sportswear style. Yeah. But since this happened, I'm becoming a health goth. Really? Yep. I, I I think I've made my fully full realization into who I am. I've been exercising every day. I'm still dark and stormy, <laughs> but I've got abs. They're coming in. Really? Thank you. Yes. Look at you. I know. You would hate you probably a year ago. It's weird. Yeah. 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 Married and <laughs> married <laughs> with <exercising> abs. together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Eating eating healthy. My God. Oh. Who am I? <laughs> It's crazy. You can't wait to get back those late night Big Macs and stuff. No, you know, I never really ate like that. What's weird, what I don't like about this country, your country. Is, okay. it, is this your country? Yes. Well, you're Greek. I'm Australian, though. But you're Greek Australian. Greek Australian. Like, Australian. Both my parents. I've got a Greek passport, but born here. It's funny because there's one other George that when I bring up Greek George, they get, because there's you and then there's George Zach. Yeah, he's technically more Greek because he was actually born in Greece. Okay. Before moving to the UK when he was like <laughs> more Greek or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So technically more Greek. More Greek. Okay. <laughs> That's why he's got that crazy accent. Yeah. It's been established. George Zach, more Greek. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, my favorite drug is the most expensive in your country. 
Isn't that the most expensive everywhere? Ketamine. Ketamine? Ketamine is my favorite. Ketamine is not more expensive than cocaine. Yet, here, it is the most expensive out of all the countries here for me. Oh, okay, right. You're not saying it's the most expensive no. of the drugs here. No, I won't even expensive. buy cocaine here. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I, I can't even, I couldn't even bring myself to wrap my head around. Yeah, like it's a, uh, yeah, well, that's what happens when you're a prison island. Yeah. <laughs> everyone has to <laughs> ship everything in from overseas. Yeah. But how much is ketamine everywhere else? Like, I don't know, know much about that. To it's, be I do. I do. It's 40 pounds in Scotland, 40 pounds in the UK in general, it so seems. So 80 bucks, sort of. Is that 80 bucks? Of, of Australian. Australian. Okay. So, and then in America, it's 80 American dollars, which is more expensive. More expensive, yeah. And then here, it is 150. Australian, Australian, which is around a gram, a gram, which is around ninety American. Okay, so yeah, not not thrilled, not thrilled about that. Just just to give you a fun fact, if you, since you were looking at fun facts here, oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the, because we're in quarantine, we're only allowed to have five people at a wedding, and um, before everything, <laughs> I love that I've met someone where this was relevant. <laughs> yeah, right. So we had <laughs> the celebrant, and then our witnesses, which are the people we live with—an Englishman and an Irishman. Or an Englishman and a French woman, and yeah. I married an Irishman, and then yeah. I'm American. Yeah, it's a big mess. And a week before that, or a couple weeks before that, Mark, my my now husband, he's Irish, had an Irish friend here who was just going to be here, and then he was going to fuck off to Western Australia before everything shut. And we asked him if he knew where to get ketamine. He was like, yes. So he took us to this apartment of this other Irish guy, right, who was wearing like harem pants, <laughs> all right, which I was already like... We're in a stark... I've seen very few people for a while, so now we're in a stark contrast already. He had this 21-year-old Sri Lankan girlfriend. They told stories of smuggling seven grams of ketamine through the airport from Sri Lanka to Australia. I mean, I'm like sitting here horrified because it's just so different from my life, which is already kind of scary to most people. Seven grams doesn't sound like that much. Or seven kilograms. I would say any gram of an illegal substance through an airport sounds scary to me. Okay, right, yeah. But yeah. just mean like it just sounds like you're doing that for. They were doing it for fun, yeah. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, okay. they're doing it for fun. But I'm like, so, so we were over at their apartment buying ketamine one other time, and they wanted us to go camping with them that weekend. And we were like, look, we can't. We're getting married on Monday. And I don't think they took it seriously. So then they hit us up again. And we we're like, no, we're actually getting married. And they were like, oh, well, can we come? So we were like, fuck, I mean, what do you say? Sure. Yeah. So at our wedding was this Englishman, this Frenchman, an Irishman who is apparently an international drug smuggler. Up? He did. Okay. He right. wore a white linen suit. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he brought his 21-year-old Sri Lankan girlfriend who wore a dress. And those were the people at our wedding. This is the most beautifully international experience. It was out like, of control. Yeah, yeah. It was out of control. A lot of ketamine. The whole wedding... Con- <laughs> It was the entire, the whole thing from, from the ceremony to the party to the finale was five hours long. It was, we were, people had puked and were in bed by 9 p.m. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a great day. It was incredible. In terms of like, yeah. That, that, that's, see, now that you're a healthy person, you realize that's the best. Yeah. No, it was you great. Wake up the next day, you're ready to go. You I know? felt great. Well, because I don't drink, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah isn't yeah. that crazy? So I was like, I mean, even though I had like a head full of ketamine, I was relatively sober. You know, and I saw so I'm watching like the 21 year old puking into a bucket from the couch. The French lady was puking because they had drank a lot. And then, you know, we just had to wrap it all up, clean it up. And then they left and everybody was asleep. And me and the English guy were just like having a cup of tea out on the patio. It was like, what just happened? You know, <laughs> you just got married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like a shotgun it, or like what a, a drive by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, what just happened? That's amazing. It was that really nice. A- 
fun story. And our moms got to watch it too, so they were happy. Okay. We FaceTimed. <laughs> yeah, it, you yeah, know? yeah. Not the whole thing. Okay, obviously. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> you're like, you're like, no parent should it's be a, happy. It's a lovely. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> a weird that. relationship. Which yeah, is modern as well. <laughs> very nice. American. That's that's awesome. I, I, I love that story. We it's would have very... invited you, but we couldn't invite anybody. Uh, that's okay. And our other two guests invited themselves, but yeah. we were happy to have them because it was very weird. Yeah, exactly. And Nobody they... knew each other. <laughs> Look, I wouldn't have been able to bring ketamine for everyone, so I feel like yeah. they, they brought a lot to the table. They did. Yeah. yeah, he organized the speeches and a photo shoot during the wedding. <laughs> so the whole reason we even have <laughs> some photos is because the, the, the guy selling us drugs organized a photo shoot. <laughs> That's amazing. It was really lovely. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for that beautiful story. Yeah. Before we even get... Okay, we're now... How far into this are we? Okay, Since we, you asked. Yes, yes. So we're a little bit into this uh, show before we even getting to the book of choice for today. <laughs> so... The book you've chosen, Confederacy of Dunces? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm going to have to try to work really hard to try tie this in with everything you've told me and everything else in your life. I think it's not going to be that hard. Okay. See, I'm interested in that already because I've got to be honest, when, I, when you first said Confederacy of Dunces mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but I wouldn't have thought you as a fan of that book for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's very funny. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. So, I guess to give everyone a quick summary of it, um, and I've read it a long time ago now. Me too. Okay, good. So yeah. we're not going to hold me. Basically, it's about this one guy. Um, all I remember about him, he's got that Russian hat that he wears the, all the time. It's like um, it's like a lumberjack hat, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like like that, the, with, with the flaps. flaps down the side. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I was thinking of it as I don't know, Russian. Yes, but he's got a lumberjack hat, and he's basically fat and old, like oldish. Like he's he's not a kid, but he's like really he thinks he's really smart, but he's actually an idiot. Sort and, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he judges everyone really harshly yes, around him. Yeah. Um, all the time, but he's like just this scared, cloistered person yes. who doesn't actually want to do anything, but he wants to judge everyone else for right. being uncouth and whatever. Yeah. Now, is his, I know, and it's just he lives with his mom. Yeah. And his mom is not, she's pretty normal. She's not like, right. Yeah. Right. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And then the story is basically just him going on little like misadventures. Not, it's not really an overarching plot right it's right just is that right well it's like he tries to get jobs places and he's in new orleans but he like like he tries to get the job in the i think it's a pants factory already hilarious yeah you know and i just i loved how you know he would you would read what happened and then you would read his recount of it in his journal and it was just so you know, on like on his side. All right, because yeah, that's how it's structured, right? They would actually have that. Then it would have him writing yeah. the journal later about it. Yeah. Okay, right, yes. Yeah, With like the flowery language. And he would write letters to Myrna. So I'll be honest, I because it had been so long. Mark just read it. Hmm. Um, but it had been so long that I was like, I'm going to Wikipedia, just in case you knew. Yeah, yeah. So I got a, like a quick refresher of it, and which was also then able to remind me as to why I love it so much as well. Yeah, but yeah. he would write this girl that he went to college with who was, lived in New York, a Jewish girl from New York, Myrna, who would always tell her tell him to leave New Orleans and they would basically be trying to one-up each other and how everything they did was to impress each other even though they're like they pretty much... Each, yeah, they, they were, yeah, they hate each other but they write to each other all the time and everything they do is to impress one another. Because it's almost like one's like the... I guess they're both actually kind of the snobby type. But yeah. one is like... Uh, super left snobby type, mm-hmm. while the other one's more like old-fashioned, whatever snobby type. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they think they're fighting with each other, but they're really? the same type of person. Yeah. almost. I I loved this book when I first read it, and I I think it's just so great. And you know, the authoress that crazy story too, right? No. Oh, this is okay. So, um, 
he only wrote one other book when I think when he was 16 called the neon Bible, which is far different from this book. It's not totally different. I mean, in, it was basically from what I can remember based in a small town where a kind of young man wants to, he kind of has big dreams or he wants to leave, but they're just so stifling in their small mindedness that it's almost like they snuff out his light. Okay. If I remember it correctly. And is that funny as well? Because I no, should also clarify, not, Confederates Who Dance is a super funny book. Super funny. This that's is not funny. Like yeah, it least, feels not... very, you know, heavy like okay. that. But the, in, I think they have this in the foreword of A Confederacy of Dunces. The, the author, this was published after he had killed himself. Okay. Like 10 years or 11 years after he killed himself, his mom was like going to publishers being like, and, you know, this is this work. And, you know, I think being rejected because they were like, what? And then the, pu- the person who ended up publishing it, I can't remember his name, published it after his death. So he never actually got, you know, saw himself win a Pulitzer or yeah, get, he won a Pulitzer for it as well. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. way later, too, than it was written. And so it's kind of crazy that, you know, he wrote these two books. Both were published after he was dead. Both are pretty amazing in their own way. All right, so he didn't. He could see. He wasn't no. a published author when he. He was dead. Damn. <laughs> it was published like ten years after he died, too. Oh wow. Yeah. That is grim. Isn't that crazy? I know that's crazy. I know yeah. we like as in. Uh, I guess I don't really see that. Not that you can read what people's mental states are like, but I guess you know it doesn't. The, the book's pretty light. Like it. it it's. It's funny. Like it's, it's, it's. It is funny, but I think when I think about the book, I feel like you know Ignatius is sort of trapped. In himself, mm. you know, because he can't leave New Orleans where he grew up. So it's like, even though it's funny, I think like the kind of underlying thoughts or ideas in there are, are sort of sad, you know? Yeah. But at the end, I mean, are we allowed to say the end? Yeah, like, yeah. He boards, because he had always like recounted how he had gotten on this bus and tried to like leave and then how it was like this horrific experience. But I think at the end of the book, he like boards the bus uh, and finally leaves his city. So it's hopeful, but it's still sort of sad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, can't, I, 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 to be honest, I can't remember the ending at all. It's a wonderful book. I was pissed to see that it only had like 3.9 on Goodreads or some shit. Ah, criminal. I was like, who the fuck are these people? That's right. Cause you, you aren't the first person to tell me that that's the favorite book. And I loved it. And I got a friend who really loved it. Yeah. Um, I he's such to... an idiot. Well, it's like, but like yeah. It is, it is, but it captures like that spirit of all the characters and stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's what I remember now. Like the New Orleans thing and every character and it's like this crazy but realistic like as in yeah. it feels true, whatever. I mean, I just, I one time I was drunk on a bus just trying to be Ignatius for a friend of mine <laughs> and I was making her laugh until she cried because I was just talking like he does, you know, like just acting like more grandiose than yeah. I am. And like, I almost got a, a tattoo because, you know, when you're young and you're like, I'm going to get a Lucky Strike logo tattoo. I almost got a like an Ignatius tattoo with this quote from the book. He, It's so funny. He was like writing this in his journal, but it was like, stop, I cried imploringly to my godlike mind. This is madness, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, this is so funny. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it really spoke to me for some reason. Yeah, in general, like yeah. the book. Um, did you like? Did you feel something? Like, was it the humor that was the first thing that really did? It, it was the humor, yeah. Because just I loved how I loved, you know, the reality versus his reality. I yeah. just always thought that was so funny. It would just crack me up every time. Yeah, the way it captured like the fact that he was so in denial. Yeah, and just made it so obvious between yeah. 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 Okay, cool. And did you? Uh, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna now let's go try and find stuff. Okay. Okay. So trapped in New Orleans. You ever felt trapped in New York? 
I, you know, so yeah, when I was, the thing about like Ignatius, right, is like, he he is an idiot to some degree, but he also is highly intelligent in some ways, right? Mm. Like, he, yeah, but he's like, like book smart sort of. Yeah, yeah. And so he can I don't quote know, stuff well. He, he's like different. And this book was different, you know? And I kind of feel like to some degree, especially in like the New York comedy scene. And I feel like, I mean, I guess like, you know, we're all in quarantine, so you can feel free. I like what I do. It, you know, I've been told no so many times by bookers or other comics. Like, maybe you shouldn't joke about like smoking meth. Like, maybe that shouldn't be part of your, you know, you should write other jokes that are more like friendly. If you want to be on up at Caroline's or if you want to be up here, you know? Really? Yeah. I mean, and it took me a very, and I feel like there's definitely, like, once I started traveling the world, you know, to do comedy, I'm like, oh no, I, I actually know now I'm funny. Whereas in New York, you're surrounded by a bunch of funny comics and you see some of them getting things you're not getting. And then you're sitting here, you're wondering why. Maybe it's because I'm not funny or I don't work hard enough or this or that. And then sometimes I think it might just be because you're different, you know, and because I'm sitting here and I'll look at like sometimes people who have things and they're funny, but I'm like, but anyone can tell that joke. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean it's not a good joke, but like, who are you? And I saw that joke in another way from another person who's also funny, but like, nobody can do what I'm doing, you know, and it's all like so intrinsically me. But as a result, I think it's like been harder to necessarily become successful as quickly as maybe some other people, you know? Yeah. And like everything I've done so far, I've done myself, you know, I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I've like, you know, I've had to kind of beat my own drum in a way which i'm not complaining but sometimes it feels bad being rejected for being who you are you know oh right okay yeah yeah so that's what it felt like sometimes yeah i mean because it's like being told like you know oh well this was good but maybe you know it's shock value and i'm like well i'm sorry my life is so shocking to you yeah you I know guess, like um i guess i should clarify uh for anyone who's listening um <laughs> you are as you've sounded so far till now as you are on stage, basically. Yeah. It's it's full perfectly aligned and yes, it's dark and <laughs> dirty and hilarious and crude, but so funny. Like yeah, as in thank but you. you've got oh mate, you got remember I, I still <laughs> fun probably one of my fonder memories from Edinburgh was the nervous wait you had for Kate Copstick's review. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Kate Copstick is the like most reviewers, you don't know who any reviewer is, but Kate Copstick's renowned in the Edinburgh comedy circle because her reviews are like so, so famous. And you got her to come to your show. Well, she just came. She just came randomly. I didn't ask anybody. I, I, she came randomly. And then you Would realized you? that's who it was. Well, you're, I think it was actually <laughs> it was you. Because yeah, yeah. you were like, was it Kate Comstick? And I was like, who is that? Because I didn't, and then I Googled her, yeah. right? And then I was like, it was this lady. Yeah. And then I made you stress out so hard. Oh, and then it was like, yeah, the next like I couldn't even enjoy myself anymore. <laughs> For like three. And then you got the review and it was amazing. Yeah. It was ridiculously positive. Like, yeah. It was the most glowing. It was still three stars, but it was yeah. like, and it's, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fair. I'll be honest. No, no, that, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, as in, because yeah. you'd read it and you were like, you were seeing, because you were sending me reviews of other people and like all these great shows that were still getting two and a half and whatever. Yeah. So obviously, like, she was super harsh in that sense. But she was basically just saying, yeah, it's your first show. Yeah. But the, the, I've never seen, I've probably never seen such quotes from her in my life. It was, she's I ever mean, written. it was insane. I, I couldn't wait for my poster this year. Yeah. You yeah, know? And what was nice is the guy who had opened for me, Michael D'Angelo. He got a quote out of that too, which I felt so good about because he he had been flyering for me to open for me, mm. you know, which is like a lot of work if yeah. you think about it. 
And she wrote that he had the best cunning lingus joke at the fringe, which is just like That's so he good. gets to use that forever. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it gives me chills because I was like, You just you fucking deserved it. Yeah. You know? So it was yeah, it was a great it was a great time. It was awesome. Yeah. And that, and that was like again when you talk about feeling different and maybe not yeah like that would have been really satisfying in that sense which i didn't know you i didn't know that's what it was like for you in new york i mean it's like the thing is is like i work hard and i get booked and i feel relatively accepted in a lot of circles of comedy but in terms of like i'm not one of these comics who has some you know like i'm a white girl from reno and i as far as i'm concerned reno is an exotic place and i should be on a diversity lineup for that (laughs) you know but like you know i I'm not in cool circles. I, I, I've struggled to get into certain clubs, even when bookers have seen me do well. Like I was at a club and I was doing a 5 p.m. show. There's a lot of produced shows at clubs that aren't house shows in mm. New York, right? And it was a five o'clock show at a very well-known club. And I had had a great set where I got like a tape. That's the kind of set, you know. And I went out to the bar and I was feeling really good. And then this guy came out from the audience. He was like, listen, I follow you on Instagram. I'm so excited. I got a chance to see you. You were great. This all happened in front of the booker. That booker still won't give me an audition an audition to ultimately do check spots for the next two years. Check spots being when they drop the checks, you get five minutes. Yep. She won't give me that audition to, to get that spot. When at this point I've run an hour more than most of my peers. You know what I mean? So it's really? kind of like just because yeah. of what you don't take. A I have box no idea. I don't, I don't fit something that she's looking for, which is then I guess that's that Booker's choice. But you know, when you're sitting here, and you're like, "But I'm funny. What else do you want? Mm. I'm funny, and I'm not like everyone else on your lineup. Yeah, maybe that's why you don't want me. I don't know, and I'll never know. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, how long have you been doing comedy for now? I mean, <laughs> I, mean <laughs> I know. I guess in March it was like four years. Yeah. Okay. Um. But but you're still working other stuff as well while you. Day jobs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started doing full-time comedy just in January. So (laughs) that's that's obviously over now as well. Um, Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's hard because, you know, sometimes like I've asked bookers also for feedback. I'm like, fine, if you watched my tape, can I get feedback? And a lot of it's like, oh, shock value, this or that. Because I think they're thinking about tourists coming in and being afraid of whatever whatever I'm doing. But I'm like, and and then that's their right, you know? And and I've gotten that feedback and I've tried to write other jokes. But at a point, I have to just remind myself the only way I'm happy is when I'm doing me. Mm. And that doesn't mean I can't take that constructive criticism and try to do something with it, but like I can't change. And um, I'm just going to have to be okay with that. And normally Mm. that can take me a long way when I'm performing, but we haven't been performing for months. So then suddenly you're on the internet and now you're proving yourself on the internet and it's all likes from like circles of comics that I'm not, you know, and you're just like, I want to fucking die. I got to stay off the internet, you know, for the most (laughs) part. Well, because you're just sort of sitting here and you're like, I can't, I, I can't bring myself to do a Zoom show right now. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's for me. That doesn't mean, like, more power to anybody doing it. I don't know how to do that. So it's like, it's weird to realize suddenly you become so irrelevant when you have nothing to kind of bolster your yeah, confidence yeah. within yourself. It's like, you know. Instead you just get married. You get married and you do ab workouts. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. That's a nice way of saying sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right, so, so that, but like, that's interesting. So that feeling of difference. So, but how did you, go, did you read the book before that though? Yeah. So did you have that feeling of difference earlier in life? I think so. I think so. Because I mean, like, you know, I, I've always been like a weird kid, you know? Yeah. And I was never like in a popular group of people. 
And I, and, and like, I've had to find like, that's fine. That, that doesn't mean anything, but you know, when you're young and you're conditioned to feel like, well, maybe, you know, if I'm not in this, it's hard. You, you have to build self-confidence yourself. You know, if you're not getting it from your peers by being popular or whatever, you have to be like cool with the fact you're like a little fucking weirdo, which I became that in my personal like being. But in stand up comedy, that's a different thing than your personal life. You know what I mean? So how do you mean you became it in your personal being? Like I, I've always been. So like when I was 15, I got sent away to this like th- this is kind of when this happened for me because you know when you're a teenager you're very worried about what people think about you or how you're dressing and whatever you know you're a teenager. Mm. But I ended up running away from home and then I got sent away to a wilderness treatment center followed by a Mormon therapeutic boarding school. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a Swole member, and for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May tenth. See Home Club for details. And yeah. Okay. And so let's go through this one by one. That's there's a lot. All uh, there. <laughs> you're gonna go through it. Okay. Let's go. I, yeah. What's a wilderness treatment? So in America, I don't know. I mean, God, if they had one out here, that'd be fucking crazy. So uh, what they do is they basically call it like wilderness therapy. And what they do is they there's several v- ways they get you there. Um, if you are a problem child living at home, they'll have they hire escorts to basically nab you from your home in the middle of the night and take you to this facility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why your parents pay them to, to do just that. like bang the door open and snatch you. Yeah. Because they, they're catching you off guard for me. They, they found me where I'd run away and the escorts took me to the facility. Like physically, physically take you and handcuff you and take you to the facility. That's for a it's kid. Really insa- it's insane. Now, granted it's a bad kid, but how is that going to help him? <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, I, 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 I kid who thinks the world's against him. So he's look. If there's anything I've learned, especially through this virus, is like nothing anybody does makes any fucking sense. You know what I mean? It's just. I think some things make less. Sense. Yeah. True. True. Fine. Yeah. And so, like, so oh then my they God. they take you to the they. So in my case, they drove me from California to Utah, and then they basically give you all of this camping gear, and then they drive you about an hour to an hour and a half in the middle of nowhere and drop you off with the, your group. And then you proceed to have therapy for an extended... I was there six weeks, just out and outside, yeah. It, camping, basically. Camping. Yeah. It's, but there is like a, an adult guiding Yeah, place. there's a few adults. How many people in the group? Um, I think around eight. Okay. Kins, six to eight. Uh, very small. Uh, all girls? Yeah, they they they, they separated sure. the girl the girls and the yeah, boys. I mean, to. there were boy group groups around. <laughs> so it's sounding like some Lord of the Flies shit. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you see there for six weeks. I was there for six weeks. Did it help anything? I didn't actually hate it. It helped in the sense where I had been like a little like scene kid. Do you do you guys have or like emo kid? punk rock emo yeah, kid yeah. mod rocker that was kind of yeah yeah so i was like oh I, I learned how to start a fire why they taught problem children how to start fires i'll never know but i was like cool i camped i learned how to start a fire you know i did some things i didn't know i could do and also was it like cool was everyone else in the group crazy or like yeah i know they were it, crazy people but was and it like good in a way that part of it you or? couldn't talk out of earshot of the staff so it's not like you're really 
Oh, so you weren't really making friendships or anything? You did, but it was weird, you know? And what was weird for me is like, so there was another girl named Catherine who came into the group and she was in the group because her and two other girls had in, in their uh, therapeutic boarding school, they had just come from a therapeutic boarding school where they had stolen the school's vehicle to try to escape. And they ended up crashing the car. And she came in the group and I was her big sister, which was kind of explaining to her how this works. And then when you come, you start off separated from the group. And then, you know, for a few days, right? And then you have to do all these like things to get in the group. It's phases, earth phase, fire phase. And so to get into fire phase, you have to read your impact letter or say what it is you did to get in the group. The impact letter is usually a letter your parents write you stating why you're there. And you have to read it out loud for the first time in front of everybody. And it's very emotional because so it's something they've written about you that you didn't have to read for yeah. the first time. And you're not allowed to defend group. yourself or do anything like that. Yeah. So Damn. it's pretty crazy. But this girl knew why she was there. She was like, yeah, we are here because we stole the vehicle and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're like, well, why'd you steal the vehicle? And she's like, this place I came from is horrendous. They, you know, you can't wear shoes. You can't use tampons. They make you haul rocks at 5 a.m. if you're punished, blah, blah, blah. They, you, they make you wear dirty used clothes. And so, like, long story long, I ended up getting sent there. That was the Mormon? That was the Mormon therapeutic boarding school. Yeah. And, oh, my God. And it, it, because she said the name and then of course they made her stop. They were like, no, you need to stop talking. You need to stop talking now. So then when my mom came for the transition phase out of wilderness into, you know, they do this transition back and your parent can come and spend the night one night with you there. My mom told me the name of the place I was going and I was like, why do I recognize that? And then I was like, holy fuck. And then I started begging her to not let, not take me there. Your therapist is supposed to be there for this transition. My therapist went to Florida or some shit and went on vacation. So I had some dude sitting there that I'd never seen before who was like, no, you're trying to manipulate her into not going to this place. And if you listen to, you know, mom, if you listen to her, you're enabling her. So you need to stop talking about this now. Your mom will leave and we'll have escorts take you there. So I just had to shut up and like go to this place, kind of hoping this bitch, Catherine, had lied she had not. And um, this bitch. Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. She was. Have, I mean, you I could have had a good extra few hours of innocence. If she yeah. hadn't said anything. I mean, I watched that crazy bitch punch a tree. So, you know, wow. she had her own issues. But I ended up getting sent there. And then that was as fucked as she said, if not more, more psychologically than anything. Really? And then, so when I got out of that. And How long were you there for? I wasn't there that long. How long was I there for? Because. I want to say four months, four and a half months, which is nothing compared to some of the people that I know, you know, I mean, the program was designed for people to be there a year minimum. Like that's what they did. So it's basically a money grab, you know, Mm. for these people who are like, oh, you'll fix my daughter. You'll tear her apart and build her back up into this like thing that can now fit in our family because they had problems anywhere ranging from my kid has an eating disorder to, you know, she's in a gang, whatever. It's like, it's like a fix all, but it's not. And, but you know, they condition you there. Like when you're on level one, you're not allowed to look at, talk to, or have third party communication with other level ones. So it's like, if you're a level one and I'm a level one, we can't, you don't exist. You can't wear shoes. You have to wear slippers. I can't believe this. Like this sounds so illegal. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, for sure. And tons of illegal shit happened there. So, I mean, like I was being administered my medication by a woman, like, you know, they give meds, like these kids are all on meds, you know? (laughs) And the woman doing it was not a registered nurse. So it's like, it's psychotic. They, oh hire, they were hiring staff out of a newspaper. And this place still <laughs> like exists. America. Yeah, yeah. And, but the thing is, is they're lying to your parents the whole time. So your parents aren't there. 
and you can't write to them because they'll read your mail. So you have no way of telling them. And then if your parents do get mail and like see something alarming and call, you know, their response is she's trying to manipulate you and lie to you and whatever. So they've set up this nice little thing where to even move up, you have to pass level one, which is sort of like either having been conditioned or being smart enough to act like you've been conditioned to follow these rules and you're like becoming this new person and the dumbest people suffered the most because they never got to move up mm. you know what i mean so then they're always just like a problem and then they can be like a problem for their family then so it, it's it's absolutely insane and so after i got out of that you kind of reacclimating to real society is very weird because you know you're looking at normal teenagers who are acting like fucking assholes but you've just been in this place where like you can't act like and you know you're just kind of like Holy shit. And one, so it's kind of like coming out of jail in a way, yeah. you know? It sounds completely like that, yeah. So once I kind of came back into my own, I was like, okay, like, I'm not, I'm going to live my life however I want. And I'm going to be open to new things because having experienced that, you don't really know when you won't get to. So I'm going to say yes to whatever. And I ended up having to start my fringe show like that for a while. Like at the beginning, I was just doing my show and people weren't really laughing. Like I really grew so, as a comic at the fringe. Yeah. So I was going to say, I guess I, just to get some timeline down. So how long ago, how old were you when you left that? I was 15. When that happened. Yeah. And you left and you made the decision then that you want to. Yeah. Which is kind of why I ended up smoking. Like basically <laughs> I smoke and meth, doing all this crazy <laughs> shit. But it's like, it was. I said to myself, like, look, I know I want a future. I want to live my life. I want to be alive. You know, like, it's not like I want to become a drug addict and end up dead, but I want to experience things and I'm going to do it on my own terms, you know? And, and that doesn't mean being an asshole. It means just kind of like being nice to people, but I'm going to, I'm going to live my life. You're going to be yourself. I'm going to be myself. Yeah. And fuck them if they don't like it. And that's okay, you know? And But also be nice to people because this world is difficult to live in, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so that's kind of what I did. But I'd do this fringe show and the end would come and nobody was laughing. And I was like, well, I guess, <laughs> thanks. And then I'd make all this money and I'd sit here and I'm like, are you afraid or what? So I just ended up starting the show being like, kind of giving a very brief synopsis of this, being like, look, you don't have to feel bad for me, like because I smoked meth and I fuck losers and this and that. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I am like good with it, and it's here to make you laugh. And if if it makes you uncomfortable, that's your problem. Mm. So let's just do this, you know. And then I just do the show. So just giving that framing to people help them. Yeah, because I think they would feel bad, and I'm like, I don't feel bad. Yeah, like yeah. I'm happy for every mistake I've ever made from, you know, or not even mistake, but like I I had a good time smoking meth. Yeah, And I wasn't going to become a drug addict because I didn't want to be a drug addict. So I stopped when it became really insane. You know, shit like that. Whereas yeah. they're like, oh my God. And like joking about not having a dad. I didn't have a dad. Like, what are you supposed to do? You know, like. Oh yeah. It's it's like, okay, you know. Yeah. So it was just, uh, yeah, I think in my person, whom I am, I've been very comfortable being who I am. But I just started doing comedy, you know, four years ago and coming into your own that way and being different and maybe not having like, so dating's hard, right guys? Or like this and being like, yeah, I work in a sex dungeon. I used to smoke meth. The, you know, the roster of losers I fuck is absolutely insane. You know, he's toothless, like <laughs> is, is like different and people for whatever reason, you know, it, it's, it's always weird for me to think about how other people might see me. Mm. Because to me, I'm like, this is me. But maybe they see it as like, are you just trying to be shocking? Or are you trying to do this or trying to do that? When it's like, 
look, you know, I, I used garlic to try to treat a yeast infection because I was trying to do a cheap thing on Google, you know, like <laughs> trying to save some money and I had to board a bus yeah, and, yeah. and like, you know. I mean, okay. <laughs> It's wild. So <laughs> I guess firstly to go quickly to that point about like people feeling uncomfortable, whatever. I think that's fu- interesting because like I, you've you've done comedy. You've seen when people say fucked up stuff on stage. Yeah. But you're like, oh no, you're uh, this isn't funny. <laughs> this yeah. is this is a cry for help. Clearly, right. Which is weird because with your stuff, it's hilarious. So it's like, yeah. It doesn't have that same framing. I guess people just get sensitive about the topic in general. I think it's they get sensitive or. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't know because it, it took me a long time to make this stuff funny. You know, when I first started, the meth stuff was the first stuff I started with. And it, w- it was hard. Like, I bombed a lot yeah. with that stuff. And then I finally found some weird niche where I'm like, no, we can we can do this. You know, we can laugh at it because mm. I'm like totally okay with it. And like you made clear that you were like owning it and stuff like that. Yeah, something about it changed. But like why, you know, why it seems sort of difficult to, I, I don't know, it, do, do certain things like specifically in the New York comedy scene. Cause like in London, I was welcomed because I don't know if they just, it was just cause I'm coming out of a different scene and because I am funny, like, you know, top secret comedy club, like I became a regular there, you wow, know? That's great. Yeah. I mean, and based on, he threw me on stage and I did what I did and they were like, when can you come back? And I'm like, to, to be there, and that is a bigger room than any room in New York. You know, mm. even, like, showcases are not filling up like that club in New York City, period. You know, that room fits, like, the downstairs room, like, 300 people. Mm. You know, clubs aren't doing that on a Wednesday in New York. So I'm just, like, sitting here and I'm thinking, I don't know if it's just because it's another kind, con- or maybe I'm a novelty or whatever, but, like, I'm still doing my dark, insane shit, and it's going well. So it, it got me thinking, what is it? I, I don't it's, know. It's so weird because like, I would have thought maybe it's because like people are used to this, I guess, to try to guess, female comics um, talking about sex mm-hmm. everyone's cool with, but maybe the fact that you're going so dark and like depraved with it, maybe that's too far for some precious audience. But, but London, yeah. Because well, then you know Erica Ehler, right? Yeah. I stand this girl. She's 21. She has some of the darkest, most intelligent jokes I've ever heard. Like I would love to see what would happen to her in New York because she's – arguably funnier than most people I know, just in terms of like, she's so precise with the joke and it's so insanely dark, you know, and real, like about like her race and, and shit like that. Um, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I didn't know Americans were so precious. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they're not, but it's only for specific things, yeah. you know? And it's kind of like when you see a comic who's really, really good, but it's just really hacky. And I'm not saying all American comics are like that at all, or all New York, nothing like that. But part of me is like, do you want somebody telling a different version of the same joke or do you want somebody different? And from what I'm experiencing, it's like I don't fit a mold of anything else that they've had. Not to say I'm doing something so like original, but in, in some cases it's like it is my life. And I don't know anybody who's managed a sex dungeon or at least anybody who's taught, like, I've, I haven't been a sex worker. I'm literally the manager, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's hilarious. yeah. So I'm like, so show me that person doing those jokes and then you can, you know, call but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, call me a hack. But then I'm like, so it's like, I don't know. Oh, it, it's something I've had, I've thought a lot about, especially in this quarantine. Yeah. I know? guess like, cause I, he's a theory that I've had for a long time and I don't want to frame this in any way to sound insulting or whatever, like to like, not to you anyways, but like, I mean, my theory about American comics that I've seen, even when they come overseas, mm-hmm. um, and American comedy in general, I feel like, is that the standard is really high 
for a specific type of comedy. So you'll see these comics come in and to be honest, you're like, this person's hilarious, but you are, I could switch you out. You're completely a product. All these Americans are coming so many times. I'm like, these guys are so funny. But at the same time, I'm like, I got, there is nothing here that's like distinct. Like you and next comic, but like not to discredit their hilarity. Exactly. Exactly. Just like that that feature seems to have been like, I don't know what's part of the system because they're so precise in this is how you got to do it. That hammers out that individuality in a little bit right so that's, that's that's kind of how i've felt before looking at american comics and they come like they're great they're yeah. really great but i do get that vibe and even when some of them are like on specials and stuff i'm just like i just don't feel like i could replace you with any other one like you're not you don't seem distinct yeah there's no flavor like as in that's yours and i think that's what i've in my limited time doing comedy and and from being overseas have grown to maybe see and it's like so what makes me different is, is like in theory, what will eventually build a fan base that's just mine, you know, mm. like, but it's also going to be the thing that for whatever reason doesn't put me in all these fun little groups of people who are all kind of doing something that's barely different from each other. And I'm not trying to be discredit them either, but oh, it's no. like, I'm like sitting here and I, I try to think about it because I, you know, for a while I was like, how do I also become acknowledged in this way? And I'm like, maybe I just never will. Like, I'm not going to be on late night, you know? And um, I have, like, kind of a comedy mentor. He, His dad was a comedian. He's a comedian. He has a squeaky clean album. We couldn't be more different. But he saw something in me, you know, when one night. And he was like, you just keep doing exactly what you're doing. And just don't stop and become undeniable with what you do. And that's it. And so in my mind, I was like, you know, that's what I'll do. And... But it's hard when you can't leave your house. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's amazing just because, like, uh, yeah, it's funny because I was talking to another comic, I think, in the last episode about, like, we're still, like, I still feel like in many ways I'm trying to find that mirrored marriage of me and, like, getting it across in a way that works. Yeah. And there's doubts on my side. But from you, it sounds like, especially, I guess, it helps going to a Mormon camp for four months yeah. and getting drilled into you, whatever. But, like, you really seem very, very comfortable in yourself, present to who you are, and not afraid to stay that almost yeah way like obviously you frame it to make it funny right but like yeah you're you're really secure in that well trying to translate all mimi up there you know has taken time and i really it really started feeling like this year i was coming into that more than ever before you know like i watched a tape for me at this time last year where i get up with all this fake energy you know where i'm like hey guys i fuck losers yeah (laughs) and it's like I'm that, but I'm not that. I'm actually a little bit more, like, I calmed down. Like, the fringe getting up that many times every single night, I changed as a comic Mm. into what I think I'm more like. So getting really weirder, like, Mm. what I really am up there, but in a quieter, more subdued way. More, more, More actual confident. Yeah, like more who I really am. And it's it was so exciting. Like I was so excited for these festivals because I was like, I'm going to run real time in front of people again. And th- it's going to be fun because they're going to be Australian. So it's gonna I'm going to have to see what that's going to go like. I, I was really excited because, you know, I've learned a lot about that. And, and just like, you know, I, I don't think you've heard this joke, but it started at the fringe because I was bombing in a room and I was like, I feel like I'm going to leave this room with a yeast infection. And then I started telling the story about how I used garlic to try to treat it and yogurt and all this stuff. And it was like a food court and whatever. And I ended up turn, get, getting a four minute bit about this yeast infection. And it's so disgusting, but there's all these Italian references and I love doing it. And it's so horrible, but it became a bit that I knew would hit every time. 
just because I was able to use the New York way of writing to be like, this, you chop up, you chopped all this out. You don't need this. But with how weird I really am and how confident I was feeling and being that kind of weirdo. Mm. So I became so proud of it. My four minutes on yeast, you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's just exciting to, to you know, really start feeling more and more like yourself up there. Because yeah. then you kind of can feel like you can get up there and, you know, you can do whatever. I mean, you're going to do your bits, but you you don't have to feel this pressure of like, now I must perform. It's mm. kind of like, what, what are you doing over there, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, classic, and, yeah, experienced yeah. person could just make it all work for them. And it, it, it feels great. It feels like nothing else. I mean, I, you know... A few of my friends have taken this quarantine and are like, I think I'm quitting comedy. And there's nothing I want less. I like I even if I'm performing at an open mic or whatever, I all I want to do is do stand up comedy. Do you know what I mean? Like even talking about it with you right now, I haven't talked about it for a while. I couldn't even watch a tape without starting to cry. I swear to God, my first two weeks of this, realizing my last show was my last show, I couldn't (laughs) even I was trying to caption a thing. I was like, I can't even watch this. Because it's not the same not being able to do it to people, you know? All right, okay. That's a, but it, it's taken a while to be as comfortable in my own weirdness and then write to my weirdness, like mm. turning my dog into a skeleton so I don't have to say goodbye when he dies, you know? <laughs> Shit like that. And you look afraid. I said my dog, <laughs> not you, okay? <laughs> that's hilarious. No, so, no I, I can tell you, you really want to get, keep talking about the comment, which I love. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, we've gone actually. Ah, it's quarantine. We can go a bit. Um, that's awesome. So I guess I don't know. I I I I feel like we should get back to the the book. We've got so so I get like in terms of like I said, this isn't about the book. It's yeah. always about you. <laughs> um, and it sounds like I could, okay. Now we get we get clear. So you always felt like that sort of difference from everyone else. What about the language part? Did you appreciate that use in the of book? Language? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is yeah. that something you aspire to? Maybe a little bit. Or I had wanted. So I went to college for writing. So I used oh, to right. write for fun. Right when I was in high school, like I come home, not do my homework, and write in a live journal. So I actually, before the internet was the internet, it is now when it was like the wild, wild west, I was like on my way to being like internet famous. Really? Yeah. But I was breaking all these rules on live journal and I ended up getting my live journal suspended. But at the time, I was spamming to do those free iPods things. I got two free iPods from the internet, but I was spamming my link. I impersonated someone in a mean way (laughs) that I didn't know. Um, And... I think it was I think it was the double I, I did a double spam and then I impersonated someone. It was three strikes, you're out. But like I had like five hundred f- people reading my live journal. Mm-hmm. I put my address on the internet, told them to send me money. People were sending me money. What? It was amazing. Yeah, I'd get letters from people. It was really cool. Like and That's I awesome. was but I was a nasty little bitch on the internet too, because I'd just gotten out of this program yeah. as well. So it was it was really weird. I was in a dark place for a while. Um so I loved writing for fun, but then I went to college for writing, and that sucked all that right away. Really? I, what, what kind of writing? Um, I pr- predominantly nonfiction. Really, so like we, we, it was we, writing about me. You know, <laughs> just just. I know. I mean, like the the course. Um, was it like a degree well, in English yeah, or well, a degree in what? I'm so this was a liberal arts college uh, that was not accredited. So I have a degree in liberal arts with a concentration in nonfiction, secondary fiction. <laughs> So I have a uh, monopoly money degree, pretty much. <laughs> I love that they call it a concentration, not even like a yeah. major in or anything. I'm like, I didn't concentrate the entire four years except on smoking cigarettes in the courtyard. That's yeah. the only thing. I see the four years, just, yep. no, just getting mean, your soul sucked out of you. I basically, d- I mean, school was second. I was in New York. So partying became first. And then, and I made no friends. It was like, 
I would just go, I'd do the work. I plagiarized myself for one paper, <laughs> like, you know, turned into the same paper for two classes. Actually, three for three years, I rewrote one story like four or five different times about a man uh, who shaved off his mustache or who grew a mustache, became another person and accidentally shaved it off. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. I, so I basically rewrote that story for three years and turned it in as but, an assignment because I hated school. Yeah. I didn't want to be in college, but I did want to be in New York. Yeah, yeah. But I made the deal with my mom. Like if I go to college, she'll help pay my rent for the months I'm in school. So I was like, well, I'll go to college and then I'll get to live in New York. Okay. Yeah. Right. So your mom was being supportive like that? Uh, yeah. I well, mean, she since she'd spent all my college money on that program I got sent to, oh, she was being supportive. All I'm, right. in, I'm in extreme debt. <laughs> <laughs> so that degree cost me a lot of money that I'm still paying really? off until I die. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love it. Like meeting one American, it's just like so many of the issues of America. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Encapsulated immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's messed up. But, I've uh, only realized how many issues there are having been here. Mm. Like one of uh, one of our friends, our mutual friends, got what is your super? What do you guys call it? Your super fund? Yeah, yeah, superannuation. Whatever the fuck that is. It, it, yeah, is a four hundred one k? Is that similar? Is that different? Yeah, but you, we don't just have that. You know what I mean? You have to make that choice as an oh, American really? and seek out somebody to like do that and then do that. And you, I think you have to put money in yourself or your employer has to offer that for you. Mm. You don't just get that as a government thing being like, we'll help you make sure you do this. Yeah. Yeah. No. Hilarious. Yeah. But that's, uh, hey, well, that's your, that's your country. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it was good while it lasted, old yeah. America. <laughs> See what happens in like a year. The artist formerly known as America. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but look, I'm going to... Uh, I feel like I got to kind of ask a little bit. I don't even know if it's intense, but you talk about your mom. Yeah. And again, just again, because the joy of drawing any sort of so far, it sounds like you are exactly Ignatius. From that's what I'm saying. It's hilarious. How I much was you're like, exactly well, that. Wait, you think I'm an idiot? I'm an idiot savant. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Love yeah. of language and like obviously big character and stuff. And you actually got people reading your live journal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, what about so your mom? You said your dad was not there. Was that like a? Is it a thing or was it just like, oh, he just wasn't there? Well, yeah, I, he just wasn't there. It's it's weird because I keep trying to find the correlation with like men I was choosing since I, I was like actively like, who is the biggest loser in the room? Because that's the one I want, you know? It, it was weird. They'd be the most thankful, I guess. I guess, that, I mean, that's true, but that doesn't mean they stick around that long. So kind of like my dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like my men like I like my dad and capable of loving me back, you know? Yeah, and yeah. But um. I mean, he left when I was five, so I know my dad. And you've seen him since? I saw him in a courtroom once a few years ago. <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. Why? Because, so my mom and dad's divorce took like 10 years. Um, he fought her on everything. And then it was finalized. She was awarded in, in the divorce, like, a type of pension that would happen when he, that I guess they had both invested in. I don't really know those details, but basically when, when he retired, he was set to retire. He didn't want her to have any of the money. So she was like, look, how about this? I just take what I would be owed for the 10 years of marriage. And then you give the rest to your new wife, you know, which is like not the deal, but she was like, just whatever. And he was like, I want you to have nothing. So then this case went to the Supreme Court of Nevada like a few years ago. And Nevada is a very fucked state and she lost. So she lost everything. But I saw my dad in that courtroom because I went as support. He just didn't even look over. It was he looks like a man who never had children. He just spread his seed willy nilly and was yeah. like, but I have like four 
half brothers and a half sister that I've never met. With his new wife? No, with wives before my mom. Oh, right. Okay. So he's a proper piece of work. Yeah, but he's also a criminal psychiatrist. Yeah. Who who married one of his patients. So his current (laughs) wife is one of his patients. Oh, you've got to be honest. You might not like your dad, but it sounded like there's some it's, similarities. It's between. interesting. <laughs> and he was apparently great at violin. Who knew? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Look that's, at that. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's weird, right? So it's it's something that I found sort of interesting. Just like if I've looked at the scope of my life, because, you know, I've done a lot of thinking during this quarantine. Yeah. Even the quarantine, how, my story for this, everything that I do seems to be just sort of weird. Yeah. And But I don't try for it to be. I think it's just like from... I mean, it it was like from being 15, I was like, I'm going to, I'm deciding to be open, you know, to stuff. But even before then, it's like, my dad is weird. My mom is weird, but they're not like so obviously weird. You know, they're both very like normal. I mean, well, I don't know my dad, but like, he seems like he presents normal. My mom presents normal. They are normal. Has your mom weird? Just to give, you know, I want equal representation here. So, well, so this is one of my favorite things I've heard recently and I want to write a bit about it. My grandma, her name was Vivian. She had an affair with Henry Fonda. Just to give you some idea of my grandma. (laughs) What a mix. She was that hot. Oh my God. He saw her through a window when he was filming a movie in Auburn, California. She was working on a newspaper. He sent his assistant over to ask her out. My grandma told the assistant, if Mr. Fonda wants to take me on a date, he can come over here and ask me himself. And we have photos. I know this bitch, right? I was like, hell yes. And I can't even get a text back from dudes I used to fuck, you know? Um, (laughs) Shoeshine guy. Yeah, seriously. So... So that was my grandma. She was she was cool like that. But um, I guess when she was pregnant with my mom, she saw a storm. So she decided to name my mom Tempest. My mom is not a Tempest, okay? My mom is the most straight-laced lady. She smoked weed once in her life with a woman named Penny Pinkerton. My mom had me when she was 44. So she's like a, quite a bit older, oh, right? wow, okay. Yeah, so she's like in her 70s right now. So my mom basically didn't make any kind of these crazy choices I've made. Like I'm a tempest. Mm. She is not a tempest. When she was 19, she was working at a law firm and she mentioned to her coworker. I don't, I hate my name. Like she grew up with this name tempest. People call her Tempe, you know, whatever. She's like, I just hate my name. And, and her coworker was like, well, why don't you ask one of the lawyers what you'd have to do to change it? I mean, you work at a law firm. She's like, all right. So she, she says to one of the lawyers, do I have to do, what do I have to do? And he's like, it's easy. We could do it for you right now. We'll do it here. What do you want to be named? And she's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. And, and he was like, well, why don't we hold it to a vote? So everybody in this law office gathers around, <laughs> nominates three names, Kristen, Kirsten, and Unka. Okay. Oh, my God. Two names you can't are, win those. You well, can't win that. Vote. Two that are nearly identical. And then Unka, who apparently she was telling me was this this gay man. And she's like, now, back then, being gay, you, you weren't you know allowed to be out, you know. So, but I knew he was gay. Like, that's what she said. And he apparently did that because my mom looks Scandinavian. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. So the office votes. They vote for Kristen. She changes her name to fucking Kristen. I'm like, you held it to a vote? Like, by peers? By like, committee. <laughs> the, the people that you don't even know anymore. And I'm like, and you're mad at me because I smoked some meth. Okay, come on. Like, give me a break. I like they're different. <laughs> Apples, oranges, to be honest. <laughs> but I'm just like, that is, that is the crazy. Like, I'm like sitting here thinking, like, she's never done anything crazy in her life. But she let strangers... Vote on her name. It's it, <laughs> stiff to the point of insanity. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like, but it does sound like uh, for you, the apple might be not falling too far from the paternal tree. It must, yeah, exactly. With the the duo of them, yeah. and then my grandma just being sort of a 
my grandma and great grandma, you know, apparently were a lot of fun. All right. So Let's just skip the generation. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. you know. But and then I have a half brother on my mom's side from a different dad, and you know, we have a. He's twenty years older than me. We don't like oh, wow. totally get along. So yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's a lot it's, going on. Yeah, it's a lot going on. So sometimes it's easy for me to get lost in my own. So that's why sometimes when I'm sitting here and I'm doing comedy, I'm like. I don't know what you want. Like, I'm sorry. Everything about me might be more interesting than you. Do you know what I mean? And I've had to kind of like own that yeah, yeah. to keep me like going. Yeah. I mean, the other part, again, I'm always trying to, <laughs> it's fun to go these tangents, but like, uh, do you ever feel like you're in your, you're doing your own thing almost? Cause again, I, I was just thinking of tying it back. As, yeah. Anyway, I the Confederacy yeah. of Dancers, it's like one thing I do remember is like he very much lived in his own world. That's how he felt. Yeah. Like even mentally in his own world. Yeah. Kind of. Do you feel like that as well with this or is it more? I feel like I have to actively decide to be proud of who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, and be okay with it. But with that said, I am doing this on other people's terms. Do you know what I mean? To some degree. Like, like you know, social media is not something I want to do. <laughs> I fucking hate it, you know? But like... How else do you promote yourself? You know, and then you start buying into things that don't matter. Like, oh, only like 50 people like this. That means I suck. You know what I mean? You have to like, I don't know, be strong enough to like deal with that. So it's like, yes, I'm in my own world, but like I'm in my own world on other people's terms and that doesn't always feel good. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I know what you mean, but I think like I, my view of that is always like, we're all doing that yeah. to a degree. I know. Um, so I wish we didn't like- have to. Yeah, but I think it's probably good sometimes. Yeah, it's <laughs> otherwise we've got madness on the other side of that. Yeah, you know? like we all have to frame. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, a couple people not in a negative way, but just yeah, literally like you know, like yeah. If, if you can believe this, I'm not necessarily a comedy fan. This isn't to say I don't like love comedy, but like I've been. Do you know who Doug Stanhope is? Yeah. People have said to me, "You're like a female Doug Stanhope." Yeah. I don't really know who that is, but I've been told who he is. And I'm like, that sounds good to me. Like he apparently has just done his own fucking thing forever mm. in his own way. And just been like, you either like it or you don't. And so I kind of have to do that, I think. And like kind of live in your own world and be okay with it. Yeah. I guess. Okay. So yeah. Cool. Well, look, I, th- I, I feel this could go for ages and you're in it's... quarantine and you want to. So. <laughs> I know. But do it... you see desperation in my eyes? <laughs> a little bit. I'm getting scared now. I'm now glued to the mic. <laughs> um, but no, I think I'm going to have to bring it. To the end. I think we've touched on a lot of parts. Yeah, I did not know. I, I've learned a lot about you, you as a person as well and what your attitude and stuff. I always ask this every show. Yeah. Do you feel like you've got any fresh perspective on your relationship with Confederacy of Dancers? I mean, after reading the Wikipedia article just to get ready for this to remind myself of, it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I you think. You vibed with this character more than you thought? I mean, is it weird to say yes? No. Because <laughs> no, he's, not, he's not wholly likable. No, not at all. I'd like to think I'm more likable. I think so. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Was this very self-indulgent? See, now I'm going to worry about how all this sounded later. Uh, I mean, you're going to, I'm not going to tell you to take anything out, but do I sound like a crazy person? Oh, I guess we'll just have to let the audience <laughs> <laughs> decide for themselves. Do you want to give a shout out to any of your things? Yeah, and all that? I might as well plug my stuff. Um, I have a podcast with my husband. It, it, that sounds stupid to That's say. That's who you are now. Oh God. Okay. I have a podcast. He's not, he wasn't my husband when we started. How's that sound? <laughs> Another comedian, funny Irish comedian, Mark. And it was a travel podcast, <laughs> a travel comedy podcast. Whatever. It's called This American Irish Life. It's very fun. And then I have a science podcast called Somewhat Scientific with Carrie and Consider Comedian Megan Walsh, who's very funny. Best 
uh, serial killer jokes out there. This lady. Excuse me, I just burped. You can follow me on Instagram at you girl, you nasty. <laughs> Very on brand again. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit put in the show notes. Um, cool. Thanks for having me, George. No, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I hope it was fun. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.